Awesome. Great to be here with all of you tonight. Have a seat. Are you ready to accelerate? Amen. Right. Yes. You've been doing that all week. Well, it's great to be with your pastors again. Pastor Steve, Pastor Connie, great to be here. Uh, a lot of my friends down here, Pastor Tarkenton and uh, your family and all your, your, I thought all your, all your kids are here, but some, Judy and, you know, so anyway, great to be here in your town again. And so I'm so privileged to be here and it's an honor uh, to be around people that want to accelerate in life and not just get by and figure, you know, figure it out. And thank you for that great introduction there too, Pastor. Well, tonight, this whole year, some of you probably, are there any partners here tonight? Any partners? Raise your hand. Awesome. Well, I've been talking all year about the Sabbath rest, the double portion. And uh, this, is, uh, this is exciting stuff. And so I'm going to dig into it. Uh, you know, one of the kind of things, if you've heard me teach it on television or here or wherever, it's one of those kind of revelations you have to keep hearing because uh, really it'll, it's, it'll change your life. About uh, at the end of last year, actually, no, it was, um, let me think when it was, my birthday, actually. Uh, an angel, actually, first time I ever had an angel come into my bedroom and speak to me with three words, you have a mission. That's all he said, you have a mission. And of course, I've, I've been on a mission, you know, so ever since uh, God called me, I've been on a mission. But this, this year, God has impressed me to stay on this revelation uh, and just stay on it uh, until we get it. Because I, it, it'll, it's going to literally change your life, literally, if you, if you grab it. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. So tonight, I want to dig into the Sabbath rest again, and we're going to cover it uh, quickly and review, review and just get into it. But it's, it's going to be amazing. Most of you know my story, nine years in debt, panic attacks, antidepressants. Uh, IRS liens, 10 maxed out credit cards, car, car loans, mortgages, owed the dry cleaner, the, you, you name it. My dad, parents, 20000 thousands of dollars. Couldn't pay any of it. And uh, we're Christians in church, love God, love the anointing, going bankrupt. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of any other people that know Christians like that, but you don't want to do that. Uh, there's a better way to live. Until we came to the end of ourselves and God spoke to me and said, you're in this mess because you never learned how my kingdom operates. And I didn't have a clue what that meant. The only time I knew the word kingdom was in the Bible at that point was in the Lord's Prayer. But in reality, the kingdom, kingdom, the king's dominion, is a government that operates by laws. The earth realm, in the natural sense, physical laws don't change, and they are uh, govern the... Uh, in fact, I just told a story at my church a couple weeks back that NASA launched a satellite, I think it's 2005, they landed it on an asteroid. You might remember that. They landed it on an asteroid that was moving 23,000 miles an hour, 268 million miles away. And how many think, you got to be a pretty good shot. <laughs> and how'd they do that? Laws. They understood the laws that governed nature, and they could place that thing right on that little asteroid, moving at 23 miles an hour because they understood laws don't change. Now, the kingdom of God operates exactly the same way. In fact, the Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, what I didn't know when I was in all this mess and I couldn't get heaven to show up in my life was I didn't know the laws of the kingdom because if I knew the laws of the kingdom, then I knew how to anticipate and expect what the kingdom would do. All right, I kept thinking God would do what he wants to when he wants to do it. But in a sense, if you follow Mark chapter 6, it says there Jesus could not heal the people. 
Did you know there was a place in the Bible that Jesus could not heal? Yeah, it's right there in Mark 6. And he could not heal because of the laws of the kingdom did not give him jurisdiction to heal in the earth realm. So I began to study all these laws and we, we began to get out of debt in two and a half years. Of course, our whole life changed and that's pretty exciting stuff. The kingdom's good. And got out of debt, started companies and of course, God called us to launch a church. Um, I mean, I won't go through the whole story because I want to spend my time on, the, on this. But uh, anyway, we got out of debt. We looked around the landscape of Christianity, and most Christians were not enjoying what we saw happen because we came out of that kind of debt into a place where we're now able to give hundreds of thousands of dollars away. We're completely out of debt, and our life changed, and that's a lot better. It's a lot better. But I, I was uh, discouraged because I didn't see Christians functioning in that. And then in 2005, God spoke to me and said, I'm sending you to the nations to tell people and teach people how my kingdom operates and how it affected your life. So we've been on television since then, and we've been on a mission. I'm on a mission to help you. That's why I'm here. I'm on a mission. I'm here because the Holy Spirit has something you need to know tonight uh, because it changed our life. Are you ready for that? Okay. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 is the keynote scripture I'll be teaching out of my book my latest book, uh, The Power of Rest, which has been out since January. If you don't have it, you need it. Um, but anyway, it's uh, the latest in my Financial Revolution series. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did his. Just as God did his. Now, we know the story, of course. Adam and Eve had the entire kingdom of God. They, they were ruling the, the, the earth on behalf of the kingdom of God, and they committed treason. Satan talked them into um, rebelling against God and essentially kicked God out of the earth realm, and thus the earth fell into Satan's jurisdiction. And when that happened, the earth realm lost the blessing or God lost the ability to bless mankind because he said, basically, my hands are tied. Because of this, he said in Genesis chapter 3, now through your own painful toil and sweat, you're going to have to make your way through life. My hands are tied. It's up to you. Have fun, basically. Yeah. Ever since then, men and women have been trying to survive with a survivalist mentality ruled by fear, driven by fear, I should say, in survival, making all your decisions around how to find money, how to, how to survive, taking jobs that are not your passion simply for a paycheck, and people are just living, you know, I, I, I got so much to cover, but for instance, this week I covered some things in my church. Did you know that 58% of Americans do not have $1,000 for an emergency if it happened? 58%. 40% don't have $400 if an unexpected bill comes up. I mean, people are living paycheck to paycheck. They don't have multiplied thousands to get things done, to get things done, to get things done. So you're on assignment here. Your assignment's not to pay the bills. In other words, you're not here to survive next month's bills. You know, you're not here just to pay your mortgage and just make another month, another month. You are here on assignment with a purpose that God has designed you for, but probably the majority of people are not in their assignment because they've never had a chance to explore their assignment because they've been driven by fear to gain a paycheck and have abandoned their dreams and their passions. Good. Am I right? Yes. And so God, see, fixing the money thing is the name of our broadcast. And I always say, and Drenda, my wife says, if you don't fix the money thing, you'll never find out who you are because you'll always be a slave. 
All right, so the double portion, what I'm talking about tonight, of course, my first book, The Financial Revolution, it's a red book. The kingdom laws is what changed our life. But when God began to teach me on this Sabbath rest, my whole concept even exploded. So we're going to jump into that. Hebrews chapter 4, there remains then a Sabbath rest. Now that sounds, everyone knows what the Sabbath day is, right? Okay, so the Sabbath rest, there remains. Why would he say that? Because this is New Testament. And the Sabbath day, the rest, sounds like Old Testament. But he says there remains a Sabbath rest for anyone who enters into God's rest, also rest from their work as God did his. So we find out God resting from his work uh, in Genesis chapter 2. This is regarding the creation of the earth realm. Verse number one, thus the heavens, and I'm going to ask you to help me with this. It's on the screen maybe, but if not, I'll just say it. Okay, I'm not sure if they, I, right behind, right, oh, right behind me, there we go. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, say completed, completed, in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished, say finished, the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested because he was so tired. That is not true. Was he tired? God doesn't get tired. Why did he rest? Because everything's finished, because everything's complete. Now the Bible says that there is a Sabbath rest for you that you can enter into that rest. What is that rest? Everything finished, everything complete. You got it? Everything complete, everything finished. You see, man was created to live at the, uh, he was created at the end of the sixth day to live in the seventh day where everything was finished and complete. In other words, worry over provision would never enter his mind. Everything's finished, everything's complete. The Bible says there's a Sabbath rest available to you to enter into rest for you just as God entered into his rest, which means everything finished, everything complete. Got it so far? All right. Now, of course, Adam lost the seventh day. We know that. So God gave Adam and Eve a picture of what he would someday restore called the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was every seventh day because man was designed to live in the finished and completed work of God. Adam lost that, but man was designed to live in that. So God gave them a picture, the Sabbath day, for two reasons. Every seven days, it would show them a picture of what life is supposed to look like that God would someday restore. Number two, because man was living in a survival fear-based mentality, it caused him to stop running long enough to remember and worship God. Otherwise, he's going to be a workaholic working every single day in survival, right? So he had to stop, he had to remember God, and it gave him a picture of what God was someday going to restore through Jesus Christ. The Sabbath day, all right? Now, some denominations get all uptight about the Sabbath day, Saturday, Friday, sunset, Sunday. What is the Sabbath day? Let's find out. Colossians chapter two. Let's put this thing to rest, all right? A lot of confusion out there, but let's let the Bible answer the question. Now, I can talk fast. You can listen fast, right? Okay, very good. Colossians chapter two, verse 16 says, therefore, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow or a picture of the things that were to come. However, uh, the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality. So I like to explain it this way. If I showed you a picture of Oreos and milk, that's awesome. But if you actually had Oreos and milk, that would be double awesome, right? See, the picture had no power of the reality. 
The Sabbath had no power in it. It was only a picture of what the power we have in Christ was going to bring back to us. It was a picture. It was a shadow of what was to come. The Sabbath day was a picture of what was to come. Now, what could they not do on the Sabbath day? They could not painfully toil and sweat, Genesis chapter 3, because God gave the earth realm complete and finished. It was a picture of that complete and finished picture for man. By the way, you're in Christ, right? You have the reality of this, of the picture. Okay, we'll get there. You have the reality. Man can find his purpose again. He, provision is in the reality, and we'll find out. All right, so one day they couldn't work. You would say, okay, Pastor Gary, that's fine. One day, you know, they could store enough food in their refrigerator to last one day. It was a picture. A bigger picture was the Sabbath year. Every seven years, they could not work for an entire year. All right, so again, this is the picture showing us the reality in Christ. What is the picture showing you? That man was not going to, did not have to live by his own painful toil and sweat because God was going to feed them, take care of them. Because in the Sabbath year, they couldn't toil. Yet, they were very well taken care of with provision. So we see a picture, they saw a picture of what life was going to be like with Christ in the reality of Christ, a picture. Got it so far? Okay. The Sabbath year gave us two pictures. Again, they couldn't work which showed us there's an escape from the painful toil and earth system of survival. And number two, can tell me, someone tell me what the second thing they had to do on the Sabbath year? All debt is forgiven. All right, all debt is forgiven. Now that's the picture of the reality you have. What does that tell you? In the kingdom of God, debt is an anomaly. In other words, there is no insufficiency in God's kingdom. So that picture showing us there's no need for debt in the reality of the restoration. Because see, what Jesus did is he made you a member of God's household as a son and daughter, Ephesians 2, 19, and a citizen of his kingdom. You have the inheritance and you have the kingdom. Is that making sense to you? So sons and daughters of the house and citizens have legal rights of the kingdom. Thus, you are to prosper in life through a different means of prospering than the painful toil and earth system. Although I'm not saying not to work, I'm saying not to work in survival because what God wants to free you to labor with is your passion and assignment. That's good. All right, not just to survive one more month or one more week. All right, so the Sabbath year is a picture. Deuteronomy 15, regarding the Sabbath year, canceling debts. Let's say that you said, hey, Ralph owes me $100,000. I was planning on having that for my retirement. You mean I have to forgive that debt? And let's look at Deuteronomy 15 when it's explaining the Sabbath year. At the end of every seven years, verse one, you must cancel debts. Now, verse four, all right? So you say, okay, is that gonna be hard? Verse four says, there need be no poor among you. Is that up there? Verse four of 15, move it up just a little bit, up to, up to a paragraph there. Verse four, I'll read it to you. It says, however, there need be no poor among you. Do you see that? Cancel debts. How are we gonna do that? Well, he says, there shouldn't be any poor among you. For the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance 
he will richly bless you if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all of these commands I'm giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he's promised and you will lend to many nations and borrow from how many? None. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. Verse 11 of that chapter says, however, there will always be poor people among you. It sounds like a paradox. Did you notice there's requirements, it says. It says, there should be no poor among you. And then it says, there always will be poor among you. Which one do you want to be? He says, if you follow the ways I'm explaining to you, you will rule over many nations and borrow from none. So the Sabbath year shows us, remember, it's a picture, no power, the reality in Christ, what it looks like, there is a way to live above debt. Luke chapter five, Peter, James, and John, Peter fished all night and caught zero. A few hours later, he has so many fish, two boats are sinking. Now let that picture set in your mind. That is the picture of the kingdom. Five loaves, two fish, basically 15,000 people, counting women and children. That's impossible, or is it? He fed them all with 12 baskets left over. Peter had taxes to pay. He said, go to the lake, catch a fish. Fish don't have money, but Peter found a coin in the fish's belly and paid his taxes. Is that, that's how the kingdom operates. See, Jesus is gonna teach you a different system. He's going to teach you how the kingdom operates. All right, you got it? All right, so the picture of the Sabbath year shows us there's a way to live above debt. All right, we'll move on. One more picture, the big one, called the year of Jubilee, happened every 50 years. Notice it happened after the seventh year. The 49th year, seven, was a Sabbath year. So they couldn't sow their crops in the 49th year. The 50th year, the year of Jubilee, also gave us three signs or three pictures of the reality. Number one, in the 50th year, they could not sow their crops again, again showing us that there was an escape from the just get by, fear-motivated, painful toil and sweat system. Number two, can anyone tell me two more things that showed us? All land was given back to its original owner. So when Israel crossed the River Jordan, they were giving a, an allotment of land land that they could grow crops on, land they could uh, raise animals on. That was, they were an agricultural society. That was their prosperity. Adam lost our prosperity. Jesus is bringing it back. Now we'll find in the Old Testament, there was prosperity under the covenant of Abraham, the, the, the blessing of Abraham, we call it, the promises God gave Abraham. But uh, the Bible says we have better promises. You actually have the inheritance. You have a new birth. You, have the, you do have, still have the blessing of Abraham. All the promises God gave to Abraham written in Deuteronomy 28, you know, blessed in the city, blessed in the country, you know, all that. You have that. You have those promises. You've been grafted in. But you also have a new birth or the inheritance of the kingdom. See, the Bible says you are a co-heir with Christ. Everything he has, you have. You're a member of the household. My kids don't pay me for the bread they eat. They just say, pass it. Okay, got it? All right. So, the year of Jubilee showed us one more thing, and that was all land, all slaves were set free. Because you're not a slave. You are now sons and daughters. So you're now sons and daughters. 
the inheritance of the kingdom has been given back to you and you're now freed from the earth system of painful toil and curse that came, uh, painful toil and sweat that came on the earth realm when Adam gave it away. Got it so far? Very good. The big question is, okay, so your Jubilee, 49th, a Sabbath year, they couldn't sow their crops. The 50th year, they couldn't sow their crops. Then they had to raise their crops to the end of 51. So how did they survive three years without any labor, without any crops? Well, that's a good question because you're gonna ask the same thing. Well, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to survive without debt? I gotta have money, right? You're gonna ask the same thing. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 20 says, you may ask, when Moses explained this to them, he says, you may ask, and you'd say, uh, yeah, I'd like to ask <laughs> What shall we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? God says, I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year. What year would that be? The 48th year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you'll eat from the old crop and continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. That would be the 51st year. So how did they survive in the year of Jubilee? God blessed them so much in the 48th year that it provided all three years. How did they survive in the Sabbath year for an entire year? They had a double portion on the sixth year. Got it? Now the Bible says there remains, there remains a Sabbath rest for you. So let's answer the question. How could they rest on the Sabbath? There's only one way. They had to have more than enough. The Sabbath rest was dependent upon the double portion or there would be no rest, right? Uh, The year of Jubilee depended upon the triple portion of the 48th year or there would be no rest. There remains then a Sabbath rest for you, New Testament people, that whoever enters into God's rest, your rest, as God entered his, everything finished, everything complete. All right? Now, dig down in here a little further. You remember the manna? Remember the manna? Came every, up to the sixth day, and then they would gather it, and they could not gather it on the seventh day, but they gathered twice the amount on the sixth day. Thus, they had the Sabbath day. Okay, so we know the Sabbath day, the Sabbath year, the year of Jubilee, we're all dependent upon having more than enough. More than enough. In fact, uh, my definition of a double portion is more than enough. It doesn't mean two of something. It really just means over, given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together and that's the double portion. Okay. The church has not been taught how to tap into the double portion, let alone most people have no clue what it is. They think it's Old Testament. They've never even studied it, never seen it. Exodus chapter 16, regarding the manna, it says this, after Moses told them, 16, verse 23 through 30, after Moses told them about the Sabbath day, and they can gather twice on the sixth day, because remember what happened if they tried to gather more than enough on day one through five? It all rotted, remember? They couldn't store it overnight, but on the sixth day, it would last overnight and provide for the seventh day. So it says this, Moses says, okay, the double portions on the sixth day and seventh day you're to rest, verse 27, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands 
and my instructions, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. He has given you the Sabbath. Religion teaches you that the Sabbath is God's and you're to serve it. But God says the Sabbath day is to serve you. It's all about you. Okay? He wants you to have a double portion. He wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to have the Sabbath rest. All right. But notice they were out there in the seventh day trying to find some and couldn't find any. They never got the memo. I believe this is the church. We live in the seventh day. See, Jesus has become your Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a day, it's a person. Jesus is the Sabbath. And and he has fulfilled that. Now, if you don't believe me, look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. Jesus has just come out of the wilderness, baptized the River Jordan, comes into his hometown of Nazareth. They hand him the scroll in the synagogue. He opens it to Isaiah 61, and he quotes Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit, verse 18, he reads this to them. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. All right, there it is. All right. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What is the year of the Lord's favor? The year of Jubilee. And then he stops. If you read Isaiah 61, verse 2, which that is there, it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the next word is and. That sentence continues. But he stops it before he says the word and because he says this. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What scripture? He just read the sentence, the year of the Lord's favor. He says, I am the Jubilee. Today, this has been fulfilled. I am the Sabbath. I am the year of Jubilee. The Jubilee is here. You get it? And he stopped. He stopped right there. He didn't finish the sentence. He's making a point. Of course, they wanted to kill him after that. They did. All right. Now, moving along. So, Drend and I, we tapped into the kingdom, and we began to experience amazing, amazing, amazing things. My books have tons of stories, amazing things we saw happen in our lives, but God wanted to teach us. We had mentioned the double portion throughout our kingdom teaching, but yet God wanted to clarify it for us. And so just to help us, I want to make sure you understand that Hebrews chapter four is New Testament. Is it? Okay. And it says there remains, does it not? A Sabbath rest for you, New Testament, right? And now you understand what a Sabbath rest is, don't you? It's the double portion, more than enough. And it was a shadow Sabbath day, Sabbath year, your jubilee were all pictures of the reality we have in Christ. Is that what the Bible says? Okay. So one day, and of course, I think most of you know my story, know I learned a lot about the kingdom through deer hunting. You know, I mean, I was broke and I would go out and try to get venison for my family and I'd go hunting for, you know, a couple, few years actually and nothing. And God said one day, let me help you with that. Let me show you how to do this. And he taught me how to hunt by faith, and I say not by sight. That's what I, what I said. I hunt by faith and not by sight. And of course, he had to teach me that. But basically what happened was, he said, okay, take a check out. In the memo section, write for your, your buck on there. 
And you and your wife lay hands on that check. And according to Mark eleven twenty four, therefore, when you pray, believe that you receive when you pray. And then it shall be yours. And then release it into an assignment that I tell you, which we did. And in 40 minutes, I had my buck. And then every year after that, I had my deer. And it got crazy very specifically. I could even get to the place I could name what kind of deer, how many points it had. It got crazy. Uh, my book, Faith Hunt, covers all those early years where God began to show us how the kingdom operated. And we go, that really happened? I mean, it's just crazy stuff. But I began to learn how specific the kingdom is and its laws. And so he's teaching us. So one day going out to... Uh, Sunday afternoon after we had services were over, Drenda was going somewhere and I was uh, bow hunting. We have our woods behind our house and I was going back to bow hunt and get my deer that year because I don't hunt deer, I receive them. Now, this is not, I'm not, I'm not, that's not a cliche. I'm telling you, I receive deer. I don't hunt them. All right. You don't, re, you don't hunt provision, you receive it. All right. Now, as I was walking out to the, to, towards the garage door, Drenda says, come here. She was in the car, rolled the window down and said, come here. She said, the Lord just said to tell you double portion. I said, well, okay. So I went out bow hunting and to make my story short for time's sake tonight, within about 40 minutes, I had two deer out of the same tree stand. I never had that happen before. You know, usually I'd get a deer, I'd go in the house and go out another week or another, you know, later in the year. But uh, because she said that, I stayed there and I had two. I thought, wow amazing well the next five years every time i went hunting i'd get two two deer out of the same tree every time i went out two at a time i'm thinking okay this obviously this this god's trying to get something here but it's just they just you know two at a time and so you might remember the story i told you about the duck hunting gun you might remember that where i I had you know i'd given guns away but I was in Cabela's and it was after duck season and I have an old shotgun and I have a marsh by my house and I just started duck hunting and I thought, you know, I'd like to have one of those, those uh, duck, you know, they have, they have duck guns, you know, they have waterfowl shotguns that are camouflaged and they're made for duck hunting. And so I had my old, you know, normal Remington I've had my entire life and I thought I'd like to have one of those. Uh, anyway, so I was in Cabela's in January and I was walking along and sure enough, there's a whole rack of waterfowl shotguns. I never saw those before. And I remember looking at them and pointing at one. You know, Lord, I said this out loud. Lord, I'd like to have that one. I didn't even know what I was saying. I did not do that on purpose. I just said, Lord, I'd like to have that. I'd like to have that shotgun. But because duck season wasn't until October, I, I didn't want to buy. I just didn't buy it that day. It was over, you know, a couple thousand dollars for a shotgun. And then I was speaking at, I don't know, is Danny Snipes here? There he is right there. I was speaking at Danny's meeting and so I got done speaking and I don't know how you guys got that gun but he walks up after the meeting and said we wanted to bless you after speaking and he handed me that exact gun I had pointed at you hear the Lord brother good deal but here's the question how did that gun get here it's the first time I ever had a gun like that specifically okay you have to know how okay remember laws God doesn't like me better. And so how'd that gun? Well, of course, I've sewn many guns, probably 30 some guns over my life, but I never said I'd like that one. So anyway, after that happened and these deer were showing up, I thought to myself, well, that gun showed up. There's one more gun I really like to have. It's one of those nice over and unders. You ever seen those really engraved, beautiful stock? You might see guys using that for like pheasant hunting or quail hunting or skeet shooting. They're expensive. 
and they're really nice shotguns. I said, Lord, I'd like to have one of those. A guy called me on the phone I'd never talked to before. He said, the Lord told me to buy you an over and under. Wow. I said, wow. So he sends me a box. In the box were two of, two, two of the most beautiful over and unders I'd ever seen. These are expensive guns. And I thought, wow. So I call him and thank him. And a week later, he sends two more, two more. Now I have four beautiful over and unders. So I'm thinking, okay, why two? The deer's coming in two. The shotguns are coming in two. So I went to a church and I preached one day and a guy walks up, hands me a gun. Now in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, where's the other one? <laughs> no, I'm it wasn't because I, I needed a gun. It's just, I'm, I'm a scientist. I mean, a guy hands me a gun in church. So I went and preached that same day. Another guy handed me a gun. I went home with two guns. I said, okay, this is getting, there's something going on here. So a little bit later in the fall, a box comes with two more. Now, I know God is getting my attention, right? And I'm writing my book, the, the blue book. I'm now writing because I've seen this happen and God's given me revelation on the double portion. And so I'm writing the chapter in the book. I'm writing the paragraphs about the shotguns and my secretary knocks on the door and says, Pastor, you see, there's a boxer for you. There were two more. Then I am doing our Atlanta revolution in Atlanta in uh, January. Uh, was it this year? This year. Yeah. Or last year. This year. And I was going out to teach this session that I'm teaching on the double portion. As I was walking down to go on the stage, my cell phone rings. Is my secretary and said, Pastor, there's two boxes here for you. I got home and there I had two beautiful shotguns. And this time, Drenda was included. She had a box with a beautiful you know, over and under shotgun. But because I figured they, they knew she didn't hunt, they put $1,500 in cash for her to buy something she wanted, the double portion. Wow. Now, we, we have never, we, you know, what is going on? Then her birthday's in February. Drenda has never bought in her entire life a Louis Vuitton purse, never. Two of them show up for her birthday from different people, unannounced, two of them. Now, you might remember the story of the, uh, the Escalade, that we were driving our Escalade. You know, we're not into cars much, but we had driven an, uh, uh, an Escalade, which is a nice car, right? An Escalade for a women's conference. And Duran and I, now we've given cars away, but we've never said, you know, much. Well, I have, I won't go through all my stories. But anyway, we're driving this Escalade. And she looks at me, you know, this is kind of nice. I said, yeah, it's a little bit nicer than a Honda Pilot we have. You know, I kind of like it. She said, what color do you want? I said, I like pearl white. What do you want, the long version or the short version? I said, the short version. Now, without covering the entire story, how that showed up, short version, pearl white Escalade, a guy called me on the phone and said, I want to buy you an Escalade. Wow. We have, so we had that car. Now, we're driving that car around, and the, the engine light comes on, and so I have it looked at, and the, the guy that gave it to me one day asked me, how is the Escalade running? I said, well, it's good. The engine light came on. They checked it out. He, he, he kind of sat there for a second, and he says, I'll tell you what, you keep that one, I'm going to buy you a second one. He bought me an identical pearl white Escalade, just like the one he had given me earlier. Now I have two identical Escalades. Now, this is catching my attention. Would it catch yours? All right, now my wife loves the ocean, loves the ocean. 
And everywhere we go to the ocean, we are in condos. She loves, loves the ocean. And so we had been looking properties. We kind of knew we had to narrow the area down. We finally kind of came down to the area in Florida. We thought we'd like to own a house. I am jogging in my basement and the Holy Spirit says, tell your wife to go to Florida tomorrow and to buy her house. I said, what? Okay. So I tell Drenda, Drenda, the Lord says to go right now to Florida and buy your house at the beach that you've been wanting all your life. And so I set her down there and she looked at a bunch of houses and, you know, she found a couple and I went down and we went into contract on this house is great. Um, And then in, in Ohio, we're sitting in our living room I got to watch the clock back there in our living room. And she screams out loud, that's my house. I said, oh, I know, honey. I know it's your house. It's in contract. We're buying it. But remember, the Lord told me to go. She says, no, no, you don't understand. That is my house. I said, I know it's your house. She says, no, two years ago, I was looking in that city and looking through a real estate magazine. I saw that house for sale. And because we had some money tied up in projects and things, we didn't have the cash. She said, I put my finger on it. I said, Lord, I'd like to have that house. That's the house, she said. So I went back in history. I looked in the real estate magazine. It was there for sale two years ago, but they took it off the market for no reason and just now put it back on. And so she has her house. But her parents have a house in Canada, which is 30 foot from the ocean, and they're, they're retiring. They want to sell it. And they called us the same month we were closing on that house and said, would you like to buy this house? I said, Yeah. And I'm sitting there, both houses closed. I said, Drenda, do you realize what happened? She said, what? Double portion. We, you know, we now have two beach, we now have two houses at the ocean. You have a summer beach house in Canada where it's cool. And you have a winter beach house when it's cold in Ohio to go where it's warm. I said, Drenda, you have the double portion. I said, wow. That's amazing. Now, I've been teaching this and we have to, there's a lot to cover here. I got five minutes left or something. The clock stopped. Oh, there it is up there. Okay. So the video, this has been, I mean, this has been, God says they, people have to get this. Now, let me just advance a little bit here. Mark chapter six, when they fed the multitude of the fish and bread, remember the five loaves and two fish. Verse 41, Mark six, Jesus, uh, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were what? Filled, satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces, the double portion, more than they started with. Now, as spiritual scientists, how did that 12 baskets get there? And without going into a long explanation, in the earth realm thinking, your slaves. Most people want to become millionaires so they can stop, not go. The mindset behind getting wealthy in the earth realm is so that you can stop and finally do something you want to do. It's not usually motivated by engaging more. Slaves are already overwhelmed. Their entire mindset is to stop. These people were satisfied. They did not see the fragments. Jesus had to tell them to pick the fragments up. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets. But John chapter 6, that version says they're all satisfied. And Jesus said, gather the pieces. Let nothing be wasted. 
The fragments, they're stepping on them, but not seeing them. The fragments were of the same substance of the provision God had just given them, right? The fragments were fish and bread of the same provision that took place, but they didn't see that. They only saw enough to get satisfied, and when people get satisfied, they stop. Am I right? Yes. Okay, ideas are going by your head all the time, but you do not grab them because you're already overwhelmed. You can't add anything else, so you don't dream of anything else. You dream of survival and stopping. So they take a nap, but Jesus has to tell them to pick the fragments up. 12 baskets left over. Okay, so we've been trained in the earth realm. We miss the double portion. So I'm gonna summarize here pretty quick. But the, the double portion is not obvious because the double portion, let nothing be wasted. See what Jesus said? Let nothing be wasted. I want those fragments picked up. You see, the double portion, the overflow, although we have a great life and you'd have a great life, the overflow is for God's purposes and his, his uh, propelling of his assignments in kingdom. And he's, he's not, it's hidden. He's hidden it from us and we receive it by revelation. We've taught that in the earlier part of our kingdom teaching. But by revelation, Jesus had to tell them, pick up the fragments because they couldn't see it. And so by revelation, here's here's the thing that you have to get. Jesus told me when I was studying this. Here's it is. God never sends satisfied. He always sends the double portion. The kingdom of God always operates in more than enough, never, ever satisfied. The problem is you don't see it and you stop when you're satisfied, but there's more. So a real quick story, then I'm gonna close. For a long time, well, for years, I've had my businesses. Uh, I have a financial company and I was number one out of 5,000 offices before I started pastoring. When I started pastoring, of course, I had a lot of time. uh, I know you're wondering what this is. I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, I had a lot of time tied up in pastoring and starting a church. And so I kind of accepted the fact that, you know, my business is probably going to slow down, which it did. And we do uh, work with different various companies. And so one of our vendors, you know, they have an annual conference and they would have the top 10 people up on the platform and they'd get a hundred thousand dollar bonus check, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would go to the conference, but I never was in the top 10 because I assumed obviously I'm pretty well maxed out. I mean, I'm doing daily television. I'm pastoring a church of 3,000 people. I mean, I got five kids to raise, you name it. I mean, we're busy, right? And so one year, I was, and we were doing about $4 million in gross revenue with this one vendor. And so I'm sitting there watching these guys on the platform, and God says, why aren't you up there? What do you mean, why? Because of you. You called me to pastor a church. That's why. <laughs> he says, well, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? I want to be represented up there on that platform. I want you on that platform. This is February. Now, to get to that platform, you had to break over 10 million. I mean, we were doing 4 million for 10 years in a row, four to 5 million. I said, Lord, I don't know how that's possible. So Drin and I sowed our seed and believed it was possible. And he gave me a dream. And some of you know the story. He seized the moment, he said. That's all he said. But I understood by the spirit what he was saying. Change how you live daily life. Be intentional, seize the moment. And so that year we did like 10,700,000 with that one vendor. 
we were on the platform. They gave us a $100,000 bonus check. They sent us to Bora Bora free of charge. It was awesome. The next year, they raised the limit to $12 million to have the same benefit. We sowed a seed. We did 12, just over $12 million, and we are in the top 10. And so $100,000 know, is awesome. But here's the point. I always had the double portion. If I would have just done what he said, I, already, I always had the potential to do that. I just didn't see it. I just didn't see it So by revelation. Now, I have two minutes left. I want to show you this. So I showed this video at our provision conference. Kind of launched, because uh, I was teaching double portion. I, we had, our, our team did this, and I showed this, and we taught on the double portion. I didn't show it at our church for three months, four months. And so just about a month and a half ago, I decided to show it because I was going to talk about the double portion because I told my church I was going to keep bringing this up the entire year so they would stay focused on this. So at the end of the service, this 12-year-old boy comes up to me and his dad, and he says, we were on vacation in Canada. And he said, I bought this um, chocolate egg thing. You probably know what it is. It has a toy inside of it, this chocolate egg thing. And he says, when I opened it, he said, I knew, I knew it was yours. Dad says, yeah, he got, that. he got it out. He said, that's pastors. And so he brought it that night, the night I showed the video for the first time in four months after we showed it at our conference. And so he handed me this thing and he opened it up and he gave me in there this little car, a little sports car, like in the video. He goes, that's, that's really cool, I said. He goes, oh, no, pastor, you don't get it. He says, open it. I said, open it. So I open it. And inside, there's a jet. <laughs> now you get it? You know what the Holy Spirit is saying to me? You keep teaching this. This has to go out. And I want you, my, my people, like Jesus said, let nothing be wasted. I want my people to get this. And he is serious about it. The double portion is yours. The Sabbath rest is yours. All right, now if you want to know how to tap into it, get my book. How do I hear the? How do I hear where it's at? How do I hear? How do I tap into the double portion? That's why I brought books. Yep. I don't have time to cover it. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I talk fast, but uh, I'm very serious about what I talked about. We had nothing to do with those shotguns showing up. Nothing. And so I asked the Lord, I said, why, why are these expensive? All of them expensive. Not one of them like a little cheap, you know, Walmart type gun. All two or three, $5,000 shotguns. Louis, why Louis Vuitton purses? Why, um, you know, wh why is everything Escalade? That's the highest version of an SUV. Why, why everything? He said, because my people need to understand. I'm trying to get your attention, Gary, that my kingdom does not suffer for lack. And I want my people to think different, not about necessarily just having things, but they've got to see that the kingdom they have is more than enough. And that's why I sent those guns to you over and over and over again, those expensive guns, because you don't need that many guns. I said, I don't need those guns. I don't need them. He says, right, but you have them because I want you to see how big my kingdom is. And the, you have two Escalades. You have two beach houses. You have, I did all of that. I want to get your attention to show you what you have your hands on. Stop thinking in terms of satisfied and start dreaming of the double portion and what you actually have. So I didn't do it. So bow your heads with me today.
You know, the kingdom of God is absolutely, totally amazing. It will totally transform your life as it did mine. And I want to encourage you. It's so simple to know God and to know this kind of lifestyle that God has for you. The Bible says if you simply call on the name of Jesus, you become a member of his household and a citizen of his great kingdom with all rights and benefits. And so before we leave, I want to make sure that if you're here and you'd say, you know what, I need that kind of help. Yes, you do. Nine years I tried it and couldn't get it done. You need that kind of help. And it's so simple. Just call on the name of Jesus. So if you're here tonight and you would say, Pastor Gary, I need that help. We're all going to pray together. Every one of us is going to pray out loud. But if you're here and you would say, that's me, I want to know that God is with me and I have that kind of ability to win in life and to live for God, I want you to just put your hand up really high right now. You can put it down. Thank you. Yep, there's hands all over the auditorium. Awesome. That's awesome. And that's great. We're going to pray right now. Everyone out loud, okay? Say, Father, in your Bible... It says, if I call on the name of Jesus, that you'd receive me and make me brand new on the inside. You would fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me how to live life. And I need that. Let it be recorded in heaven that on this Wednesday night, I called on the name of Jesus. I receive your goodness as a member of your household. And as a citizen of your great kingdom, in the mighty name of Jesus.